Well, good morning. So glad you decided to join us today. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're in the final week of a series we're calling Overcoming. And this morning, we're going to be talking about how to live with and find peace in your life. How many of you would like more peace in your life? Anybody? Okay. Half the room. The other half, you teach, you turn to the other people, and you tell them how you do it, because you're doing great. Well, we always read a passage of Scripture together. I want to invite you to stand with me, if you would. You can open your Bible to Colossians chapter 3, or if you have our app or the YouVersion app, you can open it to Colossians chapter 3 and follow along as we look at this this morning. I'll read it aloud. It'll be on the screen as well. Therefore, as God's chosen people, Paul says to you and to me and to the Christians in Colossae, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Well, we've been working our way through uh, how you could be the kind of person who has as the hashtag of their life, the thing that gets stamped on the difficult circumstances, uh, the difficult scenes, the difficult passages in your life, this hashtag, I shall overcome. Uh, and so what we said at the beginning was your circumstances are going to do one of two things in your life. They're either going to make you bigger, better, and stronger, or smaller, bitter, and weaker, and the choice is yours. So you've got to, at some point in your life, you've got to plant the flag and say, that's the thing that's going to be the truth about my life. I shall overcome. And then what we've been saying is that there are three practices that anybody who overcomes uh, engages themselves in. And the first practice is that you've got to think about better things. You've got to change the mental state of your life. You've got to change the things that you dwell on. You've got to change the things that you think about, the things that you allow into your mind. You've got to think about better things. Uh, in fact, the Proverbs says it like this in the Old Testament. As a man or as a woman thinks within themselves, so is he or so is she. In other words, how you think about, how you process your life, that's pretty much how it's going to be, because everything begins with a thought. Henry Ford said it this way. He said, if you think you can, or if you think you can't, you're right. It's powerful what we think about, so you've got to think about better things. Then the second thing we talked about, it's been a couple weeks, is uh, we talked about you have to then take off bad-fitting things. You have to take off the things that constrict you, or the things that take you down the wrong path, or the things that destroy your life. That look good on the outside, but on the inside, they begin to destroy you. And if you were here last week, especially, walk through this, this list of sins that Paul says trips up humanity and has been for thousands of years. Things like sexual immorality and anger and rage and slander and uh, all those kinds of things. And you may have walked out of here if you were here last week and you felt awful. You felt like, oh, I feel terrible. Well, that's not the goal. The goal is that you would become the kind of person who would grow past needing those things as a coping mechanism and as a, as a way to get comfort in your life. And, and here's what you need to know about us as a church. We don't want to be the kind of church uh, that is a museum. You know how museums are, right? You go into a museum, it's very quiet, everything is complete on the walls, there's no messes, 
sir, uh, could you control your children, please? I'm saying that because it's been said to me in a museum. Could you, could you please? Uh, no, we don't need to make loud noises in here. We don't want to be that kind of church where you walk in and it feels like everybody's got something I don't and they're all complete and I got to be quiet and not be a mess. We want to be more like a hospital. And you know what a hospital's like. It's loud and it's messy and there's the joy and celebration of new life and there's the sorrow and pain of death and it's just a, it's just a mess. And you go to a hospital when you need help. We want to be that kind of church that you, when you show up, maybe you read that list and you go, man, I don't know how I'm going to overcome that. Well, we don't want you to go, well, I'm ostracized then because everybody else is doing it right and I'm screwing up. No, 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 this is a hospital. So you can come with whatever your issues are and we'll, we'll welcome you. So if you're struggling with the things on that list that Paul gives us in Colossians 3 uh, above this, this passage you looked at this morning, welcome. But you won't be ostracized, but you will be challenged. Uh, one of my pastor friends says it like this. He says the church should be inclusive, but not affirming. Uh, and first time he said that to me, I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, you should be inclusive, but not affirming. You should include everybody. Everybody's welcome. Anybody, anybody's life circumstance, any situation, any perspective, any belief system, everybody's welcome. Everybody's included, but we don't affirm anybody. We don't affirm anybody's choices. Like, for example, I hope that you would not affirm all of my choices. I make some dumb choices. I make some bad choices. I make some good choices. But if you were to say, well, we're just going to affirm all your choices. Well, how do you know they're good? Are you going to affirm the bad choices? Are you going to affirm the, the good choices? How do you know what's good and what's bad in terms of choices? And so what we want to do is we want to include everybody but affirm nobody except Jesus and the fact that he loves us and he wants to heal us and he wants to transform his life. So we include everybody and we affirm Jesus and we invite everybody to learn from Jesus how to live. That's what we're about. So you got to take off those bad things. And then what we're going to talk about this morning is then you've got to put on God's things. You've got to put on God's things. So if you think about better things, and you have a different thought life, and you direct your mind in different directions, and you take off the things that are constricting you and making life difficult for you, uh, and you, that's all you do. I mean, that's, that's progress, but you're kind of in one way. When you've taken everything off, you're kind of naked, right? We want you to put on something different. We want, to, we want you to put on God's things, and so Paul tells us how to do that. And the thing that results when you put on God's things in your life is peace, so I want to give you here what Paul gives us, five actions that you can, uh, you can do this week that will bring peace into your life. So here's, we're going to jump right into this passage. So if you have your, your Bible, make sure it's open. Paul starts out in verse 12, and he tells us about us, and then he tells us what that means that we need to do. So he says this, he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, do you remember in elementary school uh, that you would go out to recess and there'd be a kickball game? And do you remember at kickball, there'd be two guys that would be the best athletes? And maybe you were that guy, I don't know. Uh, but then everybody else would line up along the fence by the backstop. And then the two captains would pick. And what did you not want to be, right? You didn't want to be the last kid, because like, what a loser you were if you were the last kid picked, right? That's what it felt like. But what did you want to be, right? You wanted to be the first one picked, Right? This is what Paul's saying. You are the first one that God picked. God didn't look over everybody and go, well, I mean, I got her and I got him. and I guess I'll take you because you're a loser. God picked you first. You're chosen. And then he says you're holy. I, holy here means uh, something that's uh, set apart for a specific purpose. I have this. Maybe you, don't, you can see this. This is a, this little mesh uh, wire ball. Do you have any idea what this is for? 
has a, yeah, it has a specific purpose. It's a little thing you put in a shaker bottle and you can mix up a protein shake or whatever. And I keep one on my desk. And uh, if I go to the gym in the afternoon and then I you know, come back to the office, I, I, I take that and I mix it up. It has a specific purpose that it's made for. This is like you. You have a specific purpose that God has made you for in life. He, he picked you out first and then he set you apart for a unique purpose to do something good and great in the world. And then uh, Paul says we're, we're chosen and we're holy and then we're dearly loved. You know, right, that you can, like, you can love somebody without liking them. Right? You have people in your life, you go, I love them, but I don't like them. <laughs> I'll tolerate them, but I'm not going to like them. I, I tell it to my kids in the morning when they're going to school. I say, hey, you know, I love you and I also like you. God doesn't just tolerate you. God likes you. But Paul says this is the case about us. Therefore, God's chosen people, picked, set apart for a purpose, someone that he likes. So as a result of that, then he tells us the things that we need to put on. So here's the first action that's going to bring peace into your life uh, that you can do starting uh, tomorrow morning. Is you've got to, here it is on the screen, put the same thing, put on the same thing every day. Now I'm looking at you and you're looking at me and I know something's true about you. I know and I thank you, you got dressed this morning right? Thank you so much. It would be awkward if you had not done that. I don't know how you go about that in the morning. I don't know if you're one of the people that puts on your socks and then your pants, or you put your pants on and then you put your socks, but you have a routine. You may not even think about it because you've been doing it for so long, but every day you always put on clothes. The world thanks you, okay? Appreciate that. So here's what Paul does. He gives us a metaphor, and he says, now what if you did that in the morning when you put on your clothes what if you put these things on for the day and you said, today I'm going to put these on, things on? And so he gives us this list. He says, so clothe yourselves with compassion. Uh, compassion is uh, the willingness to feel the hurts and the pains of people. The word probably doesn't do it justice. In the original language, it's two words. And the words mean to have your guts ripped out with emotion. In fact, much of what we read about when you read about the life of Jesus is Jesus' response to people's uh, needs and hurts and pains. And it says repeatedly, and Jesus had compassion on them. And Jesus had compassion on the woman. And Jesus had compassion on the crowd. His guts were ripped out by the needs that he saw in front of them. So what it is, is it's the willingness to not categorize people, but to see people as individuals with needs. And it's the refusal to develop a soul callous toward people. One of the things that often happens, because one of the things that, uh, as a church, one of the things that we do, we're, we're a charity in one sense of the word. And so what will happen during the week is uh, people will come to the office, so they'll make, uh, make a phone call, and there'll be this speech. I've been a pastor for two decades now, and I've heard this a lot of times, and it usually goes about the same, and it's something like this. It, it, they'll come in and they'll say, you know, hey, I was just traveling through, and uh, my car broke down, and so uh, I've got to get to, usually it's Atlanta. I don't know why it's Atlanta, but I've got to get to Atlanta, and I'm wondering if you could buy me a bus ticket. What they're looking for is us to hand them money so that they've got money. And we've developed kind of a system to say, okay, we're going to try and actually help the person. So we have some, some cards to a, a grocery store in town that we'll give somebody, or gas cards, those kinds of things. And it's very, very hard for me, I'm going to be honest with you, because I see this happen so much, to not develop a soul callous toward the needs of people. These are real human beings who walk in the door. And there's a guy that will come by periodically, and he comes by, and he kind of smells, 
and uh, he's a sweethearted guy. You can tell when you see him that he probably sleeps outside from time to time, if not often. And he'll come in, and, and he'll, you know, have his story that he tells. And one day he came in. I'll call him Todd. It's not his name, but I'll, I'll call him that. He came in, and uh, he, he walked in, and he told his, his, his spiel, his story again. And we said, hey, sure, we'll get you, we'll get you a card to a grocery store. And I looked down at his shoes. It was the middle of the winter. It was a few months ago. And it was a cold day, and he had holes in his shoes, and you could see his feet through the holes in his shoes. And I said, Todd, tell me about your shoes. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, just kind of like, all messed up. I said, hey, <clears throat> Todd, what size shoes do you wear? I'm, I'm really, I was really leery about telling you the story because this involves me, and I'm not in no way trying to set myself up as an example. I just want to show you what I went through, okay? So he, I said, what size shoes do you wear? And he said, ten and a half. Guess what size shoes I wear? <laughs> And what, you know, I was wearing that day is I'd, I'd been wanting these shoes, uh, these white, super sweet Adidas that my sister-in-law works at a department store, had gotten me a deal on, and I was wearing them that day. And I went, when he said ten and a half, I went, oh, seriously, God? I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, come on. <laughs> so I said, okay, Ben, sit down. And I gave Ben my shoes. Now, I, I'm not, no, don't, don't, someone tried to applaud in the first, you should be getting ready, don't do that, okay? I didn't really have the right heart or attitude. I, I hope you'll do things like that. But here's, here's my point. I did that because I didn't want to develop a soul callous toward human beings made in God's image. I want it to be the, I want it to be true of me, and I want it to be true of you, that every morning you're willing to put on, again, the willingness to have your guts ripped out by the needs of people. You're not ever going to be a day that comes that goes, well, I'm, I, those people don't need my help. They're just sponging off the system. They're real human beings. Yeah, they got problems. They got issues. But I never want to stop seeing them as a human being made in God's image. And I'm willing to let my guts be ripped out. So Paul says in the morning when you get up, put on compassion. And then he says put on kindness. Kindness is uh, not just being nice, though it's definitely that. The meaning of the word kindness that Paul use, uses here is it's, it's your, you're, you're kindly disposed towards someone so that you're moved to meet their need. It has action behind it. Like you see someone and you're kind to them, and so it's either the words that you use or the actions you take toward a human, another person is, is you're trying to move toward meeting their need. Now, you do this as a church. I don't know if you know this. Uh, someone sent me an email. Someone's a teacher in our church in one of the schools in the Portage Township School uh, District. They sent an email to me this week, and they said, hey, uh, the guidance counselor from my school came to me and heard about how our church will help people and wants to know if we could help this family who has had their heat turned off. And it's a long story how they got to where they are. And uh, I said, hey, man, absolutely, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll do whatever we can. And so Lori, in her office, she emailed, got the guidance counselor and emailed back and forth and figured it out. And what happened is this mom had been taking her kids to the library till it closed every night because she had no heat and no electricity. Now, what does kindness do? Kindness says, okay, well, I wanna, I'm predisposed to do what I can to help you. So you paid her bill and made it possible for her to have heat and electricity. This is what the, the guidance counselor sent a note to Lori in her office, and she said this, I don't know what to say except thank you and God bless all the parishioners who made it possible for this family to have heat and electricity. The mother cried on the phone when I gave her the news. When I talked to her son, he yelled out, yes, and gave me a hug. Wish I could transfer the hug to you and all those who worked hard to raise the money to help others. I've been a school counselor 
for a very long time, and I can't tell you how great it felt to be part of this wonderful event. Thank you. Words of gratitude just aren't enough to express our appreciation. That's kindness. It's just the, the predisposition every morning. You say, I'm going to put on that. When I meet someone, I'm, I'm predisposed to help them. Then he says to put on humility. Humility is the attitude that you take toward yourself. If you know how that word, where that word comes from, it comes from the, word, uh, the Latin word for hummus, the earth. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's the reminder of remembering where you came from, right? Not getting too big for your britches. Not saying I was born on third base and think I hit a triple. You, know, you don't want to be that kind of person. I like best how C.S. Lewis says it. He says humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So you get up in the morning and you put on humility and you say, today I'm not going to think about myself and my needs first. I'm going to try and prioritize other people and their needs. And I'm not going to bring myself into this equation. I'm going to bring other people into the equation. That's what I'm going to do. I'm put on humility. And then Paul says you put on gentleness. This is the attitude that you take toward people. Because you know that you are chosen and that you are holy and that you're dearly loved, you don't need to prove anything to anybody. So you don't need anybody's approval. So you can interact with people in a gentle way. The, the image that comes to mind is, is how you would treat a newborn baby. You know how gentle you are with a newborn baby? Is that you would say, in the morning when I get up, I'm going to put on gentleness. And the way that I interact with other people is, is like I would, I'm treating a newborn baby. I'm going to be gentle with them because they're struggling. I don't know what hurt they're going through. And I'm going to do whatever I can to be gentle to them. And then Paul says you put on patience. I like how one of the commentators said it. Uh, about this he said patience is a state of emotional calm in the face of provocation or misfortune that happens without complaint or irritation <laughs> wow i'm really convicted by that on one level but i want that in my life right i want i want to be that patient kind of a person uh, the idea is that you're long suffering it's one of the old words to describe patience is that you'll suffer for a long time with somebody and you'll put up with somebody's stuff for a long time it literally means, the word means to see the big picture. You see something bigger than just the circumstance. And you, you say, I'm going to put on this morning, I'm going I'm to put on patience. One way to think about that, someone said, is that patience is remaining seated in your heart when something difficult happens. Instead of getting up and, I'm going to remain seated in my heart. So Paul says, this could be your spiritual wardrobe. Every day you get up, just like you put on your clothes. So here's your exercise for the week. We'll put it on Facebook every morning this week. As a reminder, uh, around 6 o'clock or so, and just that every morning when you put on your clothes, you put on these things. Okay, God, today I'm going to put on compassion. Today I'm putting on kindness. Today I'm putting on humility. Today I'm, I'm putting on gentleness. God, I'm going to put on patience. I'm going to do that. That's going to be my spiritual wardrobe for the day. That's, that's the first action to bring peace into your life. Second action to bring peace into your life is this, is that you would expect errors from people. Expect errors from people. People are human. They're not machines. So they mess things up, and they make mistakes, and they don't get it right, and they say it wrong, and they do it wrong, and they feel it wrong, and they uh, have the wrong perspective. People are human. People make mistakes. They're not machines. Your boss is a human being. Your employees are a human being. Your coworkers are a human being. Your family is a human being. Your parents are human beings. Your teachers are human beings. And so what Paul says is what we're to do is we're to bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Now, a grievance is a, uh, is a complaint. It's a beef. It's, uh, it's when you say, I mean, I got a big problem with that guy. And so Paul says, anytime you say, I got a big problem with that guy, that what you're supposed to do, what I'm supposed to do, is that I'm supposed to do what? I'm supposed to forgive them as the Lord forgave me. Now, how did the Lord forgive you and me? Well, freely, 
at great cost to himself, Jesus absorbed all of the sin of the world, all of the grievances of the world, all the complaints of the world into himself on the cross. He absorbed it himself, and then he forgave it completely, and he did not hold it over anyone's head ever again. That's how the Lord forgave you. And so Paul says, if you have a grievance with somebody, what you do is you forgive them the way the Lord forgave you, freely, completely. One of my favorite stories that Jesus tells about this uh, is in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, Jesus tells this parable, and he makes this outlandish number. He says that this man owed a debt to the king, and it would have translated in our day to trillions of dollars. The point Jesus was making was, in a lifetime of work, this man could never, ever pay this debt back. It was unpayable debt. So the man walks into to the king, and he begs him for mercy. He says, oh, please, I beg you for mercy. I'll pay it back. I promise. I promise I'll pay it back. And so the king has mercy on the man, and he says, I'm going to forgive the debt completely. And he does. The man walks out of the room. Uh, he sees as he goes out of the building one of his friends that owes him 100 bucks. And he goes over to the man, and he says, grabs him by the collar, and he says, pay me what you owe me right now. And the man says, wait, wait, I, I, mean, I can, it's a hundred bucks, just give me a couple days, I can work it off, I'll pay it off. No, pay me now what you owe me. Give it to me right now. And in that day, you could throw someone in jail for a debt. So he had him hauled off by the police and put him in jail. Well, word gets back to the king of what this man has done. And he brings him back into his presence and he says, I forgave you a trillion dollar debt and you couldn't forgive someone who owed you a hundred bucks? Take this man and throw him into prison. And then Jesus gives us this harsh warning. He says, and this is how it will be with anyone who does not forgive their brother or sister from their heart. Like how, did, how did the Lord forgive you? Freely and completely. So you do the same thing. How do you do that? Well, you say, you say it like this. Because for, forgiveness, some people think forgiveness is an event. You do it once and you're gone and you don't feel the emotion. That's not how forgiveness works. Forgiveness is uh, sometimes it's a process and you have to do it again and again. And so what you do when you feel that emotion come up is you say, Lord, I release this person from the debt that I have them under. I let them go. Lord, I forgive this person. In fact, step three today of healing from life's hurts, we're going to talk more about this and what forgiveness is and isn't. If you want to be a part of that at 1230. In fact, I'd say it to you like this. One of the marks of Christians is supposed to be that they don't hold grudges. They just don't do it. Third action, if you're going to have peace in your life, is that you've got to accept Jesus as king every day. So Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called the peace. Uh, th th what's the way of Jesus? The way of Jesus is peace. Uh, Jesus argued for peace. Jesus practiced peace. Instead of inciting a revolt, Jesus offered himself, offered his life as a sacrifice so that there could be peace. Uh, this is the way that Jesus operates in the world. Jesus operates with peace. And, and what Paul says is you've got to let the peace of Christ rule. Now, here's what I know. God is not overwhelmed by a single thing you're struggling with. <laughs> Did you know that? God's not wringing his hands, stressed out about what's, what's going to happen with her. I'm not sure. I'm really worried right now. I don't know how it's going to turn out. God has none of that. Now, you and I have got plenty of that. But what God wants to do is share his perspective with us so that the peace of Christ can rule in our hearts. In fact, Isaiah in the Old Testament said it this way, you'll keep that person in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or fixed on you because that person, they trust in you. You fix your, you fix your hearts and your minds on Christ. That's why Paul starts out this whole passage and says, do that. He says, what happens is God transfers his peace to you and his perspective to you. 
And then the peace of Christ, literally it means uh, umpires in your heart. You know what an umpire does? An umpire blows the whistle when something's not right. Not peace. Not peace. Foul. So you let the peace of Christ umpire in your heart and blow the whistle when there's not peace. And you go, oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm going back to the peace of Christ. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, Fourth action, if you're going to bring peace into your life, is you've got to continually rehearse Jesus' message. You've got to continually rehearse Jesus' message. So Paul says in verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. So here's what he means. He means the word of Christ is the message about Jesus. Well, this is the word we use called the gospel. Maybe you've heard that word and it gets thrown around sometimes, but quick, quick question for you. If I asked you, what's the gospel? And you don't have an answer. Well, this is the time in your life you've got to figure out what the gospel is. Because what we're supposed to do is have a deep, rich, thick understanding of the good news about Jesus that we can apply to any circumstance and any situation that we're facing. And when we come up against a problem, we preach the gospel to our own hearts and we say, oh, I have, a, I have Jesus who died for this kind of a sin that this person committed against me and he forgave that so I can forgive that. Or I, this seems hopeless to me and I know that Jesus rose from the dead. He came from the grave and his resurrection vindicated his death and so there's the power to live a different way and I've got the power of God in my life to do this. I can do that in my life. And you begin to apply the gospel to the circumstances in your life. Because I, 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 I think about this and I just get blown away. The gospel is the best news to life's worst problems. It's the best news to life's worst problems. And if you know it, then you can rehearse it and you can preach it to your own heart when you get in trouble. And God, God's spirit can help you with that. So when you have a problem, you say, okay, well, what's the gospel say about this? And so Paul says, let it dwell in you as you teach and admonish one another and you sing psalms and hymns and songs. And you just let it, let it be a part of how you talk to each other and how you understand each other and interact with each other. And then this fifth action, if you want to bring peace into your life, is you have to understand that everything matters. In other words, everything that you do matters. So Paul says, uh, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So your hobbies matter, and, and your vacations matter, and your free time matters, and your money matters, and your work matters, and your family matters. How you treat your body matters. How you treat other people matters. Everything that you do matters because you're doing everything before God and for God. There's no part of your life that you can sequester off and compartmentalize and go this is my god part and then this is the rest of my life no it doesn't work that way everything that you do matters so what would it mean for you if you did everything in the name of jesus what would it mean for you if you got up tomorrow morning or maybe later today when you go to work and you say you know what this week i'm going to go to work and when i go to work i'm going to go to work not for a paycheck i'm going to go to work in the name of jesus what would that how would that change things or when you go on vacation, what would it mean to go on vacation in the name of Jesus? Or when you eat, what would it mean to eat in the name of Jesus? Or when you spend money, what would it mean to spend money in the name of Jesus? Here's what it would mean. It would just change everything. You would just see things differently. And you would go, oh, wait, wait, this is not just stuff. This is not things. This is everything matters. So everything that I do, I'm going to do it in the name of Jesus. And then what happens when you do these things, when you bring these actions, when you put on the same thing every day, when you expect errors from people, when you accept Jesus as king every day, when you continually rehearse Jesus' message, when you understand that everything matters. I, I don't normally do these kinds of things, but what are the first letter of all those things spell? Right? Peace. Peace comes into your life. When Jesus uh, was resurrected from the dead, the, the disciples were in a room and they were terrified. They didn't know what had happened. Jesus had died and they're thinking, oh man, this is all, this, we backed the wrong horse. Something's not good. We don't know what's going to happen. And Jesus comes into their midst. And you know the first thing that he says to them? My peace I give you. 
not like the world gives. My peace I give you. Make peace. And you and I need that. We need the peace. And when the peace of God comes in our life, guess what happens? Guess what the hashtag turns into in our life? What? I shall overcome. And you become one of the people who rises above, not one of the people who sinks below. Because you've put on God's armor. Well, I want to give you a moment to, just to think about your life. And uh, to do a little, a little bit of, of uh, connecting with God. A little bit of business with God, if you would. I'd invite you, if you would, if you close your eyes. Just give everyone around you just a, a, a private moment. And think through your day. Is there, are there things that you need to put on? Are you willing to put on compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience? Commit to God. Say, God, I'm, I'll put those things on every day this week. Are you okay? Are you willing to forgive people for the errors that they commit? Are you willing to see that they're not perfect? Are you willing to accept Jesus as king every day? Every day, God, I'll, I'll put you first. I'll let you run the show. Are you willing to learn what the gospel means so you can apply it to the problems of your life? And are you willing to say, okay, God, I'll do everything in your name. For this week, I want to do everything I do in your name. Listen to someone in Jesus' name. Talk to someone in Jesus' name. Work in Jesus' name. And so now, God, we ask for your help. We, uh, we need it. We're people who get overcome by our circumstances, and you didn't make us for that. And all these things, you made us more than conquerors, and so we want to be the people that overcome. And so make us that. Make us the people that rise above, not the people who sink below. Help us this week as we put on your things, as we put on peace, and it guards our hearts and our minds. We need that, and we ask for the power of your spirit to help us live the life you call us to live. And all God's people said, amen. We always leave you with a blessing. I'd invite you to stand with me if you would and receive that. You'll see people around you holding out their hands. It's their way of saying, I'd like to receive a blessing. If you're comfortable with that, great. If you're not, that's okay too. Just receive this blessing. May you know the love that God has for you that chose you, made you holy, likes you. May you know the love that God has for you. And may you know that you're now sent to love God in return and love people and serve the world in his name. Hug somebody, tell them you love them. Our prayer team's down front if you need prayer.